Grace is a gift we can't do without. Not one of us can live a day without the grace that God provides, whether we know it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not. We're all living by his grace. He's given us grace to live another day. He's given people who don't know him grace to live another day that they might discover how gracious he is. The world is full of people who don't understand their need and our prayer is that they would. How will they understand their need if we berate them and belittle them? Rather, they understand their need when we lift up the answer to the brokenness that's in every human heart. When we acknowledge our own need, it opens up the heart of others to identify with their need. Here's the stories of four followers of Jesus who've recently been baptized. Over a tissue box worth of tears, this person said, I admitted I wanted a relationship with God. I knew I couldn't fix my life on my own. On October 6th, I accepted Jesus into my heart. Since then, I've been on a mission to grow closer to God, to heal my marriage, to heal myself, and to follow Jesus' model of how to love. I am learning to accept life's happenings as God's will trusting that he knows the plans he has for me, plans for hope and a future. I know my mom is smiling, knowing her dying wish for me to know her savior, Jesus Christ, as she did, has come true. God's grace, it sets us free at some point in the journey. That's the next person's testimony. Another said, I remember feeling worthless, condemned, and so far from God. Even though I hated those feelings, it felt easier to continue going down that path than surrendering to God. One day I decided enough is enough and I haven't looked back since. Now, instead of just knowing God and his word, I'm living my day-to-day -day life with him, in relationship with him, feeling, filling my life with godly people. I've joined an amazing small group, started serving at church, volunteer when possible, and spend a lot of time alone with God and in his word. I used to live with so much fear and anxiety about life and my future, but now I take each day as it comes and I have such peace about what's to come. So I'm here to say I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I cannot wait to see what he has in store for me. Grace, it changes us. It sets us down a whole new path of possibility and opportunity. Another said, I'm finding that as I walk with Jesus, he gives me a way to get through hard situations. He's given me courage when I've been scared, faith when I've doubted, grace when I've messed up, and continual peace in my heart. While we hear about grace all the time, it's easy to miss how God's grace actually applies to life. His grace applies to every day we live. We use the word so much, I think we've forgotten what grace really means. I think we don't understand how beautiful it is how life-changing God's love and his grace is, how exceptional, how undeserving I am of his grace that makes it all the more beautiful, that I haven't earned his favor, I haven't lined my life up and figured out the journey so much that he's smiling on me and say, I'll help you out because you are trying. 
He helps me out when I wasn't trying. He helps me out when I fail. He helps me out when I'm trying to. It all goes together, but it's all a gift, and it's beautiful, and it's something that I shouldn't take for granted. I think sometimes I might. The Greek word for grace is charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. It's what's often translated as the word grace in the New Testament, and it's actually a root of gift. It means gift. Grace is a gift. It's a picture of kindness. It's a picture of showing favor. It's a picture of the benefit that is given to us by someone who just wants to provide it for us. He's giving us grace. When we've received it, we have now a gift that we can give to others too. Having received grace, we become grace givers. How can I give grace to the people around me? Undeserved, unmerited. Sometimes people deserve something other than, but so do I. And instead, God says here, I'm gonna beautify your life with my presence and with my grace. The word grace is rich. One thing about it, grace is forgiveness. I think this is probably our most common understanding of what grace is, that it's forgiveness of all of our sins and our failings. Romans 3.23 makes it clear, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through his redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the ideal of perfection that is our design. And what happens as a result? And God pours out grace as a gift. He covers us, he paid for us. It's probably what we think about most when we think of God's grace is forgiveness and the gift of salvation. The scriptures teach us that grace is a gift that covers everything in our past, in our present, and our future. It's a beautiful thing about grace. It's not just, hey, that one moment we've got grace for. We've got grace for life. We've got grace for every day we've ever lived, for the day we're living, and for the days we're gonna live yet to come. He's what we need, and it's not because I deserve it. It's because he wants to give it to me. Grace is undeserved, but he gives it anyway. First or Second Timothy chapter one and verse nine. He saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Think of that. He's abolished death. We are going to pass through this life, but death is abolished in having an impact upon our future. It's simply a doorway to our eternal destiny with him. That's the message. That's the power of the message of his grace. It's eternal. I need it to live today. I need it to pass through the portal of death into tomorrow. Vaughn Pickering's a very strong part of our church, Vaughn and Diana. Vaughn had pancreatic, pancreatic cancer and over the last number of months it took its toll and this last week Vaughn passed away with that illness. 
And in talking to Diana the day that Vaughn passed, she had such strength. She had such hope. It's only possible by grace. It's only possible by the mystery of it that he has provided a way to abolish death. And she was able to hold on to hope and faith and know that Vaughn is free from the struggle that he went through. He's got a new body. He's never suffer again ever for all of time. To have that belief, to have that faith, to have that hope that that's what grace provides. It answers every problem we could ever have, whether it's something we're going through right now or something we might face tomorrow. Grace is sufficient in any moment in our life. It's the beauty of his grace. It can only be fully understood when we realize how fallen, how broken, and how undeserving we are. Grace is undeserved, but he gives it anyway. I think it's important that we recognize this. Sometimes in our journey as people of faith, we've been in it a while, we can start to feel a little more like we've got some things figured out and we begin to see ourselves as better than somebody else who hasn't yet come to faith in who Jesus is. And that's such a false thinking. We, we think it naturally, but it's not right. It's actually another tool of the enemy to get us thinking more of ourselves instead of really, I'm in need of his grace every day. I don't want to forget my brokenness. I don't want to forget my depravity. I don't want to forget that I'm lost all by myself. It's only by his grace that I'm free. And so all the glory goes to him. I need to slough off the sense of how I've achieved anything spiritually and thank him for it. He's the giver of it. And it doesn't make me self-loathing. It makes me filled with joy and filled with peace that the Savior has come and rescued me and I'm excited about who I am now because of his grace in my life. But he gets the glory for it. I don't deserve it. It's good for me to remember who I am and therefore it helps me to think of how someone else who's broken and hasn't yet realized the grace of God, how special they are, how they could be just where I'm at by one simple act of faith to say, Jesus, I believe in you. I'm gonna accept you into my life. There's a big battle still going on in our culture around Christmas. The culture sometimes tries to shy away from using the name Christmas. Like even when we had the lighting of the tree at the state capitol, the, the, the people in charge of it shied away from calling it a Christmas tree. I was having a conversation with one of the leaders that handles the state grounds who was explaining this to me and I, I didn't even realize that that had been done so, you know, whatever, it's a holiday tree. I don't know what you end up wanting to call it. And so there's pushback by Christian people to go, you know, you got to keep Christ in Christmas. And I understand that. And that's a high value for us. But when people don't know Jesus and then we begin to berate them because they don't know him and they want to lead in a certain way. You know what I feel like would be best for us as people of faith to do is say, I want to keep Christ in Christian I want to keep Christ in me. I don't need to keep Christ in the Christmas name of the tree that's down at the Capitol. 
I need to keep Christ in me that I treat people who think that way still with respect, not because I respect how they view that, but because I respect the fact that, hey, I'm depraved too. What makes me any better? I'm not better, I'm just redeemed. Grace isn't deserved and yet he gives it to me anyway. Grace is new every day. I can't go too long without making a mistake. I'm gonna make plenty. And his grace is new every day. His mercies are new every morning. Whatever you've done or going to do, God's grace is new every day. Not so you can keep on sinning, but so you can once again step into freedom from sin. This is one of the amazing elements. The scriptures talk about it. You know, grace abounds. So does grace abound so that sin can abound all the more? And the answer is no. Grace covers my sin, and when I realize that, it actually motivates me to live a life that's honorable to God. I'm grateful for that grace that covers my sin, but I'm not going to live in this dread that, hey, I made another mistake, and so I'm doomed again. No, his grace covers me every, every moment of the day, past, present, future, but it also motivates me to love Jesus all the more. It makes us tender-hearted. It causes us to, when we worship, really reflect on his amazing glory and goodness. It draws us closer to him. Grace, it doesn't make me want to mess up. It makes me want to clean up. Grace covers me so much, it makes me want to press in. It makes me want to do more of his will, think more of his thoughts, act more of his deeds. Grace, it's so motivating, it's so liberating. It doesn't liberate me to keep on saying, well, I'm just going to keep on sinning because his grace is going to cover me anyway. No, his grace covers me when I fail. And in that, it causes me to want to press in and not fail again. It's the beauty of his grace. It's new every day. Grace adopts us into his family. First John 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, And so we are. We are called children of God. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. That's the beauty of his grace. He adopts us into his family. I'm his child. And I haven't quite figured him out fully. This makes it clear. One day when we see him as he is, it will all dawn on us and we will really get him. The challenge and the joy. I I find it a combination. It's a challenge and a joy all at the same time. The challenge to get to know him now as we see through a glass dimly. But the joy that I can realize more of what he's like as I keep pressing in and keep reading his word and keep discovering his spirit and keep asking for his spirit to cover me. Jesus, teach me who you are. Help me to know you as you are. The beauty that you are. The grace that you have. How you didn't come to judge anybody but to save everybody. Help me to get you. Help me to live like you. Help me to think like you. I'm in a journey, but God, I'm pressing in. And I want to be pure like you're pure. Help me. 
Help me to do that. He adopts us into his family. What an incredible gift. Grace allows us to live in freedom. This is a final thought this morning. Romans 6 and verse 14. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. Being under grace actually delivers us from sin's dominion. When we're not living in grace, we're living under law and we're gonna violate the standards of God so bad. But when we come under grace and we're out from under law, now it's his grace that actually gives us the power to honor the law. In fact, he teaches us the best way to honor his law is to love. The greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands hang all the law and the prophets. If we love God with everything within us and we love others like we would love ourselves, we're gonna be living a standard of life that's beautiful. We're gonna be out from under the power of dominion of sin that just weighs us down and attaches itself to us. We've got a new motivation, his grace to set me free from the law of sin and death. He's given me the freedom to love him and to love others and if I could just press into that, everything else is gonna take care of itself. I'm gonna be free from the desire to do my own thing because I'm motivated to do his thing and to do that for the people around me is so liberating and so life-giving. We think freedom is doing whatever we want to do when we want to do it. That appears to be freedom to some, but it's not. It's actually, that kind of life is quite bondage-creating. Any loving parent gives their children rules not to hamper their fawn of their kids or restrain their kids from freedom, but to keep them safe and allow them to fully experience life. If you've had kids, you know the drill. Kids are gonna do some crazy, wild, wacky things left to themselves to do, hey, whatever you wanna do, you're free. And no, they're gonna actually not live very long if they do whatever they want. I mean, we called the doctor to figure out what to do when one of our children ingested some things that were under the sink. Ipecac, get some Ipecac, feed it to them and they'll throw up. <laughs> that was the doctor's order at the time. We needed to set some rules on what kinds of things they lay their hands on because if they're just free to do what they want, they're gonna not do well. The rules, the way that God puts standards in place are for our benefit, they're for our blessing. Freedom isn't, hey, I wanna do whatever I want. Freedom isn't, I've got rights, don't tell me what to do. No, freedom is knowing that God knows better and he sets some guidelines and my rights I give up. What rights do I have? I have the right to love God and to love other people. Those are my rights. We've gotten Americanized in our view of what our faith is all about. We need to get biblicized in the, and Jesus-sized in understanding how to live. What are our rights? Our rights, we give up our rights. Jesus gave up his rights. He said, I'm here to sacrifice for you. What can I do to sacrifice for him and to sacrifice for you? This is, I think, what touches me is I see you doing that. I see it happening. People are sacrificing so much 
to do something for somebody else. That's pure religion right there. That's pure grace. And that grace is available to everyone. I said that last point was my last one. Actually, it wasn't. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, This is. Grace is available to everyone. Titus 2.11, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. The grace of God has appeared. How did it appear? In Jesus at Christmas, the gift of God comes into this world as a baby in a manger. How absurd. And he becomes one of us and he suffers. And he says, I'm going to handle this. I'm going to take this for you. God is not stingy with grace. He gives it to anyone and everyone who will receive it. That's why songs like Amazing Grace exist, because it extends to even the worst of sinners that saved a wretch like me. Every single human being on this planet is loved by God and has the offer of grace extended to them. All they have to do is accept it. The Apostle Paul may be the best example of this truth. We don't know how long the Lord was at work in his heart, but we know the Holy Spirit was goading him, getting his attention. Saul was kicking back against that work of the Holy Spirit in his life, primarily pushing back against the disciples of Jesus. He was an interesting soul. He was a Jew and a Pharisee. He was schooled in religion. He knew it well. He was also born a Roman citizen, so he was the perfect guy for God to pick out and say, hey, you can help the Jews and you can help the Gentiles both. You're a Jew, but you were born a Roman citizen. And he became that voice that bridged the gap so that this wasn't a religion of faith just for the Jews, it was for all. The grace of God available for everyone. Saul, after the crucifixion of Jesus and his resurrection, Man, he was going sideways, actually persecuting people of faith. Stephen was martyred for his faith, and Saul was presiding over his stoning. The scriptures tell us this amazing story in the book of Acts. And Stephen looks up with the beauty of knowing that he's about to see Jesus in heaven. And somehow this moment when Saul is presiding over Stephen's stoning and death must have touched him in some profound way. He couldn't get that out of his mind. How could this man respond the way he did when Saul was the persecutor, the one executing him? And it wasn't long after that, he's on the road to Damascus when Jesus appears to him in a miraculous way and a light shone and Saul actually loses his sight in the moment. He's tossed off his horse and he's like, what in the world? And Jesus speaks to him, lets him know that he's the one that he's persecuting. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads these prods that were trying to help Saul get free. It was all love. It was all grace that Jesus was exercising towards Saul, a person that was persecuting and executing followers of Jesus. Of all things, why would you try to help that guy? And we discover that grace is available to everyone. 
And Saul responds, he accepts the fact that Jesus is real in that moment. All the things that were happening in his life all come together. We don't know all the things going on in a person's life that's all messed up. We don't know the things that are going sideways in that politician's life and all the things that might be leading them to faith. And there, there's Jesus and the Holy Spirit is goading them, is prodding them to say there's a better way. And then all of a sudden comes the epiphany. It comes the realization. Maybe it comes because people of faith are coming with grace and not with persecution. Maybe it's because somehow there's a light that shines and an epiphany that comes in the moment. Maybe it's because some of us go to the Capitol and sing songs of worship and pray prayers of grace over everyone that occupies that building. Could it be that if we could do more of that, pray more prayers like that, exercise in the public square, how Jesus is beautiful, but we're not against anybody and neither is he. And maybe there's an epiphany that will come that every soul matters and that nobody is outside the reach of the grace of an eternal God who has made an eternal salvation available for all who will believe. Saul begins to tremble and he accepts the answer. How could he have been so wrong? But then he remembers watching life ebbing from Stephen and hearing his words say, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And every human soul has the privilege of saying the same. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Kathy and I were on the road from Omaha to Kansas City when we learned that her dad, Iris Danfill, had suffered a heart attack and was in the hospital and we were summoned to come and we piled our kids in the car and three hour drive, when we got there, he was gone. We didn't have a chance to see him. He passed in, the, in this moment of having a heart attack and they told us that in the hospital room, there was one moment where there wasn't much they could do and he, he was suffering. They were trying to help him, but suddenly he sat up in the bed and he said, Jesus, and he laid back down and breathed his last. And it touched me once again to know that every human soul can look up and see him, can say, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. That was Iris Danfield's moment to say, Jesus, I'm coming. He came for me. And we stood on a hilltop in Kansas City in a cemetery singing a song Ira wrote. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. Someday yonder we'll never more wander but walk on streets of gold. And that memory stays with me and that hope is available for every human soul and it's available for the souls of the world. It's available for the broken people that are against the people of faith. It's, it's, it's available for the persecutor of people of faith today. And what is our heart? Not to decry their problem because that's my problem. Grace is undeserved, but he gives it to me anyway.
Thank you, Jesus. And may that reality dawn on every other broken soul. Jesus, we pray for that. Touch us today with grace. Cover us with your mercy and your love. Thank you for it. Undeserved, but welcomed and received. If you need his grace, just receive it by believing in him, saying yes to his offer, his gesture that is unbelievable, so life-transforming. Receive him. Jesus, I receive you, and I want to follow you. I want to know you. I want to be on this journey from here to heaven. Receive me today in Jesus' name. Amen. Put my hands together and receive Pastor Rick. A lot of good things to focus on. And just for accuracy, I think it was five loaves, two fish. And it doesn't really matter because Jesus could have done it with one loaf and one fish. It's the miracle. But anyway, it's hard sometimes when you're just off the top of your feet trying to remember everything. And I just want to make sure we're biblically correct, right? <laughs> so, hey, thank you for... Um, so much of what you're contributing. Yesterday was just remarkable to watch and see so many in our church family serving and serving the homeless as we have consistently for quite some time. And every opportunity to do that is great. And I don't know, I've, um, I'm not sure why I feel kind of emotional today, but I've been dealing with just um, emotion, uh, you know, ever since I got up this morning. And I'm not sure exactly why. Like, it's just like I feel something special. And I feel that about you and the things that we're doing and experiencing and what's before us is just awesome, you know, realities of who Jesus is. And. So I hope I kind of worked my way through this today because I'm not sure why. It's just so much on the surface. Um, I read a text message that one of our uh, one of our members sent me just a couple of days ago this morning, and I started tearing up just reading that. Um, it had so much meaning to me in it, and uh, who Jesus is, and He's the start and the finish of it all. And we've, we've walked through so much, you know, in life in these last months, and it's been hard in so many ways for many. And, you know, yesterday, more tragedies with the tornadoes that swept through Kentucky and the loss of life. And, man, it's just like, when's it going to end? And the reality is it's not. It's... The hardships, you know, they're going to be a part of our journey until Jesus comes, until we make it to our destination. He's the beginning and he's the end of it all. It's going to end well. But sometimes in between, it's rough. And in the middle of that, his grace is still sufficient. And we're going to focus on his grace today. That's what today is about. The gift of grace is what we have. It's a gift. And his grace covers us and it's what we need. And it's what we rely on. 
And I just felt that keenly yesterday. Seeing, you know, 500 bags of supplies given to 500 homeless people. There were a couple of men at the event yesterday that I got to talk with homeless people who started talking about the winter sanctuary that we hosted and they were a part of it. It's amazing they're still on the street after all these years, but they commented on how every time they came here to our church for winter sanctuary, how special it was because of how our members cared for them, the atmosphere, the food, the the care that they were given. It was, they were telling me their favorite place to go, you know, not that any other wasn't special, but there was something extra special about coming here. And it just made me grateful uh, for the spirit of this house and who you are, because you create that, you create that spirit. And it's a beautiful thing. And that was a lot of what happened last night was the spirit of this house was on display on the steps of the Capitol. It was the most spectacular backdrop I've seen with that Capitol building right behind our worship team and you know some Christmas trees with lights and the um, state Christmas tree lit up right there in that plaza. And um, worshiping Jesus, celebrating him, and praying for our leaders with sincere compassion and desire that his grace touches all. We weren't there to complain about everything that's wrong, and there's a lot that is, and it's easy for us to go there. But instead, in the spirit of Jesus, I think his grace is upon us to express grace. And we expressed a lot of grace yesterday right in on our capital grounds. It's hallowed ground because it's meant to be captured by Jesus and people captured by his love. And I feel like we uh, sowed some seeds, maybe put a stake in the ground right there at the Capitol building to say, this is how it needs to be. We need to love our leaders. We need to love our community. We have a mission that all people would come to know Jesus. That's the mission that we're here for. That's all that matters. Nationalism doesn't matter. Politics don't matter in the big picture of life. Our mission as people of faith is to help others come to know Jesus and come to faith too. That's what changes the world. And so we should make our voices heard and such in every way that's appropriate, but with the right attitude, with the right spirit, with gentleness, with kindness, with compassion, because our mission is about building bridges so that every person in this world could come to know who Jesus is. We're gonna stay true to our mission. That's what God's called us to do. Over $24,000 you've given for families that we help today. Children that would be blessed with a Christmas they wouldn't have had and families whose lives will be really enriched. Thank you for that. And uh, you know those giving opportunities have been online as well to give for the giving tree and these families. It's probably a, any more we can do would still be available. We'll still have people contacting us between now and Christmas. It doesn't end today. We have opportunities to still bless other people. So uh, thank you for that. It matters. Those people will be blessed and they would want to tell you thank you 
when they experience Christmas differently than they would have. Let me try to get into the message. I haven't gotten to that yet. Uh, the gift of grace. Grace is a gift we can't do without. Not one of us can live a day without the grace that God provides, whether we know it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not. We're all living by his grace. He's given us grace to live another day. He's given people who don't know him grace to live another day that they might discover how gracious he is. The world is full of people who don't understand their need and our prayer is that they would. How will they understand their need if we berate them and belittle them? Rather, they understand their need when we lift up the answer to the brokenness that's in every human heart. When we acknowledge our own need, it opens up the heart of others to identify with their need. Here's the stories of four followers of Jesus who've recently been baptized. Over a tissue box worth of tears, this person said, I admitted I wanted a relationship with God. I knew I couldn't fix my life on my own. On October 6th, I accepted Jesus into my heart. Since then, I've been on a mission to grow closer to God, to heal my marriage, to heal myself, and to follow Jesus' model of how to love. I am learning to accept life's happenings as God's will, trusting that he knows the plans he has for me, plans for hope and a future. I know my mom is smiling knowing her dying wish for me to know her savior Jesus Christ as she did has come true. God's grace, it sets us free at some point in the journey. That's the next person's testimony. Another said, I remember feeling worthless, condemned and so far from God. Even though I hated those feelings, it felt easier to continue going down that path than surrendering to God. One day I decided enough is enough and I haven't looked back since. Now, instead of just knowing God and his word, I'm living my day-to-day -day life with him, in relationship with him, feeling, filling my life with godly people. I've joined an amazing small group, started serving at church, volunteer when possible, and spend a lot of time alone with God and in his word. I used to live with so much fear and anxiety about life and my future, but now I take each day as it comes and I have such peace about what's to come. So I'm here to say I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I cannot wait to see what he has in store for me. Grace, it changes us. It sets us down a whole new path of possibility and opportunity. Another said, I'm finding that as I walk with Jesus, he gives me a way to get through hard situations. He's given me courage when I've been scared, faith when I've doubted, grace when I've messed up, and continual peace in my heart. While we hear about grace all the time, it's easy to miss how God's grace actually applies to life. His grace applies to every day we live. We use the word so much, I think we've forgotten what grace really means. 
I think we don't understand how beautiful it is, how life-changing God's love and his grace is, how exceptional, how undeserving I am of his grace that makes it all the more beautiful, that I haven't earned his favor, I haven't lined my life up and figured out the journey so much that he's smiling on me and say, I'll help you out because you are trying. He helps me out when I wasn't trying. He helps me out when I fail. He helps me out when I'm trying to. It all goes together, but it's all a gift and it's beautiful and it's something that I shouldn't take for granted. I think sometimes I might. The Greek word for grace is charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. It's what's often translated as the word grace in the New Testament, and it's actually a root of gift. It means gift. Grace is a gift. It's a picture of kindness. It's a picture of showing favor. It's a picture of the benefit that is given to us by someone who just wants to provide it for us. He's giving us grace. When we've received it, we have now a gift that we can give to others too. Having received grace, we become grace givers. How can I give grace to the people around me? Undeserved, unmerited. Sometimes people deserve something other than, but so do I. And instead, God says here, I'm gonna beautify your life with my presence and with my grace. The word grace is rich. One thing about it, grace is forgiveness. I think this is probably our most common understanding of what grace is, that it's forgiveness of all of our sins and our failings. Romans 3.23 makes it clear, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through his redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the ideal of perfection that is our design. And what happens as a result? And God pours out grace as a gift. He covers us, he paid for us. It's probably what we think about most when we think of God's grace is forgiveness and the gift of salvation. The scriptures teach us that grace is a gift that covers everything in our past, in our present, and our future. It's a beautiful thing about grace. It's not just, hey, that one moment we've got grace for. We've got grace for life. We've got grace for every day we've ever lived, for the day we're living, and for the days we're gonna live yet to come. He's what we need, and it's not because I deserve it. It's because he wants to give it to me. Grace is undeserved, but he gives it anyway. First or Second Timothy chapter one and verse nine. He saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Think of that. He's abolished death. We are going to pass through this life, but death is abolished in having an impact upon our future. It's simply a doorway to our eternal destiny with him. 
That's the message. That's the power of the message of his grace. It's eternal. I need it to live today. I need it to pass through the portal of death into tomorrow. Vaughn Pickering's a very strong part of our church. Vaughn and Diana. Vaughn had pancreatic, pancreatic cancer and over the last number of months it took its toll and this last week Vaughn passed away with that illness and in talking to Diana the day that Vaughn passed she had such strength she had such hope it's only possible by grace it's only possible by the mystery of it that he has provided a way to abolish death and she was able to hold on to hope and faith and know that Vaughn is free from the struggle that he went through. He's got a new body. He's never suffer again ever for all of time. To have that belief, to have that faith, to have that hope that that's what grace provides. It answers every problem we could ever have, whether it's something we're going through right now or something we might face tomorrow. Grace is sufficient in any moment in our life. It's the beauty of his grace. It can only be fully understood when we realize how fallen, how broken, and how undeserving we are. Grace is undeserved, but he gives it anyway. I think it's important that we recognize this. Sometimes in our journey as people of faith, we've been in it a while, we can start to feel a little more like We've got some things figured out and we begin to see ourselves as better than somebody else who hasn't yet come to faith in who Jesus is. And that's such a false thinking. We, we think it naturally, but it's not right. It's actually another tool of the enemy to get us thinking more of ourselves instead of really I'm in need of his grace every day. I don't want to forget my brokenness. I don't want to forget my depravity. I don't want to forget that I'm lost all by myself. It's only by his grace that I'm free. And so all the glory goes to him. I need to slough off the sense of how I've achieved anything spiritually and thank him for it. He's the giver of it. And it doesn't make me self-loathing. It makes me filled with joy and filled with peace that the Savior has come and rescued me and I'm excited about who I am now because of his grace in my life. But he gets the glory for it. I don't deserve it. It's good for me to remember who I am and therefore it helps me to think of how someone else who's broken and hasn't yet realized the grace of God, how special they are, how they could be just where I'm at by one simple act of faith to say, Jesus, I believe in you. I'm gonna accept you into my life. There's a big battle still going on in our culture around Christmas. The culture sometimes tries to shy away from using the name Christmas. Like even when we had the lighting of the tree at the state capitol, the, the, the people in charge of it shied away from calling it a Christmas tree. I was having a conversation with one of the leaders that handles the state grounds who was explaining this to me, and I didn't even realize that that had been done. So, you know, whatever, it's a holiday tree, I don't know what you end up wanting to call it. And so there's a pushback by Christian people to go, you know, you gotta keep Christ in Christmas. 
And I understand that, and that's a high value for us, but when people don't know Jesus, and then we begin to berate them because they don't know him and they want to lead in a certain way, you know what I feel like would be best for us as people of faith to do? is say, I want to keep Christ in Christian. I want to keep Christ in me. I don't need to keep Christ in the Christmas name of the tree that's down at the Capitol. I need to keep Christ in me that I treat people who think that way still with respect, not because I respect how they view that, but because I respect the fact that, hey, I'm depraved too. What makes me any better? I'm not better, I'm just redeemed. Grace isn't deserved and yet he gives it to me anyway. Grace is new every day. I can't go too long without making a mistake. I'm gonna make plenty. And his grace is new every day. His mercies are new every morning. Whatever you've done or going to do, God's grace is new every day. Not so you can keep on sinning, but so you can once again step into freedom from sin. This is one of the amazing elements. The scriptures talk about it. You know, grace abounds. So does grace abound so that sin can abound all the more? And the answer is no. Grace covers my sin, and when I realize that, it actually motivates me to live a life that's honorable to God. I'm grateful for that grace that covers my sin, but I'm not going to live in this dread that, hey, I made another mistake, and so I'm doomed again. No, his grace covers me every, every moment of the day, past, present, future, but it also motivates me to love Jesus all the more. It makes us tender-hearted. It causes us to, when we worship, really reflect on his amazing glory and goodness. It draws us closer to him. Grace, it doesn't make me want to mess up. It makes me want to clean up. Grace covers me so much, it makes me want to press in. It makes me want to do more of his will, think more of his thoughts, act more of his deeds. Grace, it's so motivating, it's so liberating. It doesn't liberate me to... Keep on saying, well, I'm just going to keep on sinning because his grace is going to cover me anyway. No, his grace covers me when I fail. And in that, it causes me to want to press in and not fail again. It's the beauty of his grace. It's new every day. Grace adopts us into his family. 1 John 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. We are called children of God. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. That's the beauty of his grace. He adopts us into his family. I'm his child. And I haven't quite figured him out fully. This is, makes it clear. One day when we see him as he is, it will all dawn on us and we will really get him. 
the challenge and the joy. I found it. I find it a combination. It's a challenge and a joy all at the same time. The challenge to get to know him now as we see through a glass dimly, but the joy that I can realize more of what he's like as I keep pressing in and keep reading his word and keep discovering his spirit and keep asking for his spirit to cover me. Jesus, teach me who you are. Help me to know you as you are, the beauty that you are, the grace that you have, how you didn't come to judge anybody but to save everybody. Help me to get you. Help me to live like you. Help me to think like you. I'm in a journey, but God, I'm pressing in, and I want to be pure like you're pure. Help me. Help me to do that. He adopts us into his family. What an incredible gift. Grace allows us to live in freedom. This is a final thought this morning. Romans 6 and verse 14, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Being under grace actually delivers us from sin's dominion. When we're not living in grace, we're living under law and we're gonna violate the standards of God so bad. But when we come under grace and we're out from under law, now it's his grace that actually gives us the power to honor the law. In fact, he teaches us the best way to honor his law is to love. The greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands hang all the law and the prophets. If we love God with everything within us and we love others like we would love ourselves, we're gonna be living a standard of life that's beautiful. We're gonna be out from under the power of dominion of sin that just weighs us down and attaches itself to us. We've got a new motivation, his grace to set me free from the law of sin and death. He's given me the freedom to love him and to love others and if I could just press into that, everything else is gonna take care of itself. I'm gonna be free from the desire to do my own thing because I'm motivated to do his thing and to do that for the people around me is so liberating and so life-giving. We think freedom is doing whatever we want to do when we want to do it. That appears to be freedom to some, but it's not. It's actually, that kind of life is quite bondage-creating. Any loving parent gives their children rules not to hamper their fawn of their kids or restrain their kids from freedom, but to keep them safe and allow them to fully experience life. If you've had kids, you know the drill. Kids are gonna do some crazy, wild, wacky things left to themselves to do, hey, whatever you wanna do, you're free. And no, they're gonna actually not live very long if they do whatever they want. I mean, we called the doctor to figure out what to do when one of our children ingested some things that were under the sink. Ipecac, get some Ipecac, feed it to them and they'll throw up. <laughs> that was the doctor's order at the time. We needed to set some rules on what kinds of things they lay their hands on because if they're just free to do what they want, they're gonna not do well. 
the rules, the way that God puts standards in place are for our benefit, they're for our blessing. Freedom isn't, hey, I wanna do whatever I want. Freedom isn't, I've got rights, don't tell me what to do. No, freedom is knowing that God knows better and he sets some guidelines and my rights I give up. What rights do I have? I have the right to love God and to love other people. Those are my rights. We've gotten Americanized in our view of what our faith is all about. We need to get biblicized and Jesus-sized in understanding how to live. What are our rights? Our rights, we give up our rights. Jesus gave up his rights. He said, I'm here to sacrifice for you. What can I do to sacrifice for him and to sacrifice for you? This is, I think, what touches me is I see you doing that. I see it happening. People are sacrificing so much to do something for somebody else. That's pure religion right there. That's pure grace. And that grace is available to everyone. I said that last point was my last one. Actually, it wasn't. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, This is. Grace is available to everyone. Titus 2.11, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. The grace of God has appeared. How did it appear? In Jesus at Christmas, the gift of God comes into this world as a baby in a manger. How absurd. And he becomes one of us and he suffers. And he says, I'm going to handle this. I'm going to take this for you. God is not stingy with grace. He gives it to anyone and everyone who will receive it. That's why songs like Amazing Grace exist, because it extends to even the worst of sinners that saved a wretch like me. Every single human being on this planet is loved by God and has the offer of grace extended to them. All they have to do is accept it. The Apostle Paul may be the best example of this truth. We don't know how long the Lord was at work in his heart, but we know the Holy Spirit was goading him, getting his attention. Saul was kicking back against that work of the Holy Spirit in his life, primarily pushing back against the disciples of Jesus. He was an interesting soul. He was a Jew and a Pharisee. He was schooled in religion. He knew it well. He was also born a Roman citizen, so he was the perfect guy for God to pick out and say, hey, you can help the Jews and you can help the Gentiles both. You're a Jew, but you were born a Roman citizen. And he became that voice that bridged the gap so that this wasn't a religion of faith just for the Jews. It was for all. The grace of God available for everyone. Saul, after the crucifixion of Jesus and his resurrection, man, he was going sideways, actually persecuting people of faith. Stephen was martyred for his faith, and Saul was presiding over his stoning. The scriptures tell us this amazing story in the book of Acts, and Stephen looks up with the beauty of knowing that he's about to see Jesus in heaven. And somehow this moment when Saul is presiding over Stephen's stoning and death must have touched him in some profound way. He couldn't get that out of his mind. How could this man respond the way he did when Saul was the persecutor, the one executing him? 
And it wasn't long after that, he's on the road to Damascus when Jesus appears to him in a miraculous way. And a light shone and Saul actually loses his sight in the moment. He's tossed off his horse and he's like, what in the world? And Jesus speaks to him. Let's him know that he's the one that he's persecuting. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads, these prods that were trying to help Saul get free. It was all love. It was all grace that Jesus was exercising towards Saul, a person that was persecuting and executing followers of Jesus. Of all things, what, why would you try to help that guy? And we discover that grace is available to everyone. And Saul responds he accepts the fact that Jesus is real in that moment. All the things that were happening in his life all come together. We don't know all the things going on in a person's life that's all messed up. We don't know the things that are going sideways in that politician's life and all the things that might be leading them to faith. And there, there's Jesus and the Holy Spirit is goading them, is prodding them to say, there's a better way. And then all of a sudden comes the epiphany. It comes the realization. Maybe it comes because people of faith are coming with grace and not with persecution. Maybe it's because Somehow there's a light that shines and an epiphany that comes in the moment. Maybe it's because some of us go to the Capitol and sing songs of worship and pray prayers of grace over everyone that occupies that building. Could it be that if we could do more of that, pray more prayers like that, exercise in the public square how Jesus is beautiful, but we're not against anybody and neither is he. And maybe there's an epiphany that will come that every soul matters and that nobody is outside the reach of the grace of an eternal God who has made an eternal salvation available for all who will believe. Saul begins to tremble and he accepts the answer. How could he have been so wrong? But then he remembers watching life ebbing from Stephen and hearing his words say, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And every human soul has the privilege of saying the same. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Kathy and I were on the road from Omaha to Kansas City when we learned that her dad, Iris Danfield, had suffered a heart attack and was in the hospital and we were summoned to come and we piled our kids in the car and three hour drive, when we got there, he was gone. We didn't have a chance to see him. He passed in, the, in this moment of having a heart attack and they told us that in the hospital room, there was one moment where there wasn't much they could do and he, he was suffering. They were trying to help him, but suddenly he sat up in the bed and he said, Jesus, and he laid back down and breathed his last. And it touched me once again to know that every human soul can look up and see him, can say, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. That was Iris Danfield's moment. 
to say, Jesus, I'm coming. He came for me. And we stood on a hilltop in Kansas City in a cemetery singing a song Ira wrote. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. Someday yonder we'll never more wander but walk on streets of gold. And that memory stays with me and that hope is available for every human soul and it's available for the souls of the world. It's available for the broken people that are against the people of faith. It's, it's, it's available for the persecutor of people of faith today. And what is our heart? Not to decry their problem, because that's my problem. Grace is undeserved, but he gives it to me anyway. Thank you, Jesus. And may that reality dawn on every other broken soul. Jesus, we pray for that. Touch us today with grace. Cover us with your mercy and your love. Thank you for it. Undeserved, but welcomed and received. If you need his grace, just receive it by believing in him, saying yes to his offer, his gesture that is unbelievable. So life transforming receive him Jesus I receive you and I want to follow you I want to know you I want to be on this journey from here to heaven receive me today in Jesus name amen